when I first moved out here, it was almost like the first thing I did before I even cared where the grocery store was. It was like, okay, who are the runners? That's always been my close knit friends, the running community, wherever I live. And I think you get out and you're just relieving your body of so many things. And if you run with somebody, they're a part of that. You're in conversation. You're talking about what's going on in your workday and your personal life and in that extended family. UC Health presents the Every Podcast series. We're taking our signature health and wellness event, celebrating all women and breaking it down into episodes where we'll speak with special guests as well as top experts on issues like insomnia, stress, relationships, life changes, and really just how to balance all that. It's going to be hosted by, yeah, you're hearing me, Gloria Neal. And I am thrilled to be a part of this groundbreaking podcast. It's all about helping you live your best life physically as well as emotionally. Humans are social beings. We have never quite appreciated this fact more than what has taken place over the last year. But not all relationships are created equal, as I'm sure many of you already know. They say friends are the family we choose. I like that. They are the ones that keep us going through the bad times and, well, they make the good times all the more meaningful and fun. For Beth, a mom of two living in Denver, close friends are what helped her get through the worst of COVID, as well as cope with the loss of her sister. Her parents and sister live other parts of the country, so she did not have them to support her. When asked about how helpful her friendships have been to her, Beth had this to say. Absolutely life-saving because it's, as you know, grief, it's, it ebbs and flows. So there's just moments where something just might come to mind. I just might say it out loud and we talk about it. They realize that it doesn't just shut off. You know, it's not two weeks after someone passes away that you, you're fully through all of those stages of grief. It could be years. And one of my girlfriends did say to me one day as we were finishing up a run, she looked at me and just said, I just want you to understand something. I am here always because I know two years from now, something might pop up and put you in a, in a downward spiral a little bit. And I'll be here to pick you up and talk you through it. Boy, can we not relate to that. A downward spiral. Somebody to get me through it. I tell you, it is something else. Well, the person you're going to be hearing from today Dr. Carrie Landon has been a clinical health psychologist at UC Health for 11 years. She specializes in helping people get through it, manage the grief, manage loss. You talk medical issues, anxiety, and yes, the word we all know more than we've ever wanted, stress. She says this year has been particularly challenging with the added stress of COVID and people adjusting to all the change it has brought, like being home a heck of a lot more, and even being cut off from friends and family. Thanks, Gloria. It's great to be here. This is a very important topic for us to discuss, especially right now, uh, given this last year. Prior to COVID, I saw maybe a handful of people in my practice that would express feelings of loneliness and isolation. And now it's pretty much everybody in my practice is coming in, feeling isolated, lonely. Even if you live with others, you're 
partnered. You may, may have young kids in the home. You don't have access to those activities outside the home that give you meaning and value and that help you connect with others. And you're not really able to see your friends as much. So it is definitely causing a lot of depression mm-hmm. and anxiety for people. And when we feel that way, we tend to isolate more, which in this time can become a very vicious cycle. Right. We do not want to, to isolate more when we're depressed because we're isolated. So <laughs> we need to really try to do the opposite, even though right now it feels next to impossible. There's so many barriers because of COVID right. to get out and connect. So we have to kind of get creative and figure out those ways we can positively connect with friends and family. And some of the ways I recommend doing that is, you know, even though this is probably feels overdone mm-hmm. right now with mm-hmm. people, we need to keep doing those virtual happy hours yeah. and those virtual game nights and the text messages. I'll yep. pop on my cell phone when I see something funny and I'll text my friends and know that they're laughing and I'm laughing and even though we're not in the same room, we're probably both laughing together. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, and that's good. Yeah. I mean, because you want, I mean, it's like connectivity in any way you can get it. Personally, for me, right. I remember three months into this, right? Three months into COVID and the isolation, and I'm home with my husband, and he looked at me, he said, okay, when are you going to get out of that robe? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I looked at him and I said, baby, you know, I wasn't smiling. And I probably added in a few superlatives, but I said, baby, I, I think I'm depressed. And he was like, oh, no, you are depressed. He said, because it's two o'clock in the afternoon and I know you have clothes because I've seen the receipts. And so <laughs> are you going to get up? Let's go for a walk or let's right. go. And I was so game. Now, mind you, what's so unique about that, Carrie, is I'm going to the gym before this. And I was always very social animal, butterfly, just moving and going. Uh, And then at home, it was the time to be home and enjoy that and recharge. But there's a difference between wanting to be home and having to be home. That depression is real. Yes, that's such a good point. It's so different. And the things we tell people to do when they're depressed, get out and exercise, is one of the first things I'll have people do. Yeah. And then I'll say, go and do something social. Interact with people. Mm -hmm. Do something that you find valuable. Volunteer. Do your hobby. And those are usually things outside of our home. How important are just the physicality of having friendships? I think it reinforces something that we've known. It's that we're interpersonal beings. We are meant to be in relationship with others. And we're meant to be interdependent with one another, have this give and take. And we had that completely taken away Mm -hmm. during this time. And the other thing I think we've learned is we do need to see people in person, which right now is outside and Mm -hmm. socially distanced. But if you can see someone in person, that's so good for a person's emotional health. There's something about seeing a person's facial expressions as best we can with masks right now. <laughs> yeah. Knowing we're experiencing something in the same place at the same time. 
There's just something really valuable about that. It, it really is. And how can we learn and grow from relationships that we've lost without feeling like we failed and, and realize when we need to move on from a friendship? I mean, we talk about the connectivity of this time and us missing it. What about those relationships that we should have cut off a long time ago and now we've been separated from it? Well, yeah, I think one of the things we're also realizing a year into this is that with all the loss that COVID has created, we are, you know, we are naturally reevaluating our values and our priorities. For a lot of people, that means they are reevaluating if they still want certain relationships in their life. Mm-hmm. I like to emphasize with people that relationship loss is just a part of the human experience. If you've decided that's important for you, for your well-being, to end a relationship. Try to be like non-judgmental. Mm-hmm. Don't think of it as right or wrong, good or bad. Think of it as something you're just growing from, learning from. Mm-hmm. Um, ask yourself what worked, what didn't, what lessons you want to take moving forward. And if you need to grieve that loss, which most of us do, even if it's a relationship that was negative. Correct. Uh, take time to do that. Take time to feel your emotions. So it's one thing when we sever a relationship. What about the loss of a loved one? And there has been a lot of loss with COVID. Yeah. All the complicated factors to that are that a lot of times if that loss occurs or the death occurs, I should say, in a hospital setting, you haven't been able to be with that loved one when they're dying. And then you may not be able to gather together afterwards for a service of any sort, which is a big part of the grief process for, for most people. Right. So I think, again, you find that support through others. You take that time to, to grieve. And if you can't access some of those things right then, like doing a service, you do something else to kind of signify, memorialize that person's life. And basically, you give yourself a lot of loving kindness. Yeah. The grief process is so unique for each individual. As a friend, and I'm sure many of the people listening to this, how do you help them get through grief? And it is not to rush. It can be a year. It can be five years. And people can still be affected. Exactly what you said, which is everyone grieves differently. And Mm -hmm. to and to not think you have to do it a certain way. Find that individual way for you that works and um, find the people and the comforting things that you know will feel validating, that you know will give you that space mm-hmm. to feel the feelings. Right. Um, and, and one thing I like to tell a lot of people is since grief is, it's kind of a never ending story. It is. <laughs> it go, it, goes on and on and it changes and you move with it. And there are times when you need to sit with it for a while and think about it and feel things and do whatever your body needs to do. Um, But then there are times you just need to at least acknowledge the feelings. So when you're grieving, just at least take that moment to go, wow, I'm sad. I'm feeling sadness. Mm -hmm. And not to push it away, not to say that's bad, I can't have it. Just, I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling afraid. I'm feeling angry. A very normal feeling during grief, by the way. And just accept that. Right. Accept your feelings. Find supportive people. And recognize your grief process will 
be your own. Right. And that's okay. By the way, if you are just tuning in, Dr. Carrie Landon, who is a clinical health psychologist at UC Health, is my guest here on the Every Podcast. One of the things that I think is one of the best ways to help a friend is to just let them be. I said to one lady, you know, if you want to talk about your husband, if you don't want to talk about your husband, if you want to just sit here and have somebody sit with you and be quiet, if you want to laugh, if you want to go for a walk, whatever you want, if you want to lay down, you know, I will be here when you wake up. Because as the person who's trying to be the friend, sometimes you don't know what to say. And sometimes that's good, right? Actually, you're exactly right. As Beth mentioned, um, when we heard her speaking, that you know, the friend said to her, I'll be here years from now, months from now. And that's something I think we also forget. We don't have to say the right thing. We just give that person space to be them. And then we remember that that grief isn't going to go away in a week. Um, and they may need us even more, you know, the following year or five years later. And then another thing is to to really talk about that person that they've lost mm-hmm. or that's died, mm-hmm. um, to say to say that person's name, to you know not be afraid to talk about the person they love to who has died and to share stories mm-hmm. or pictures. Mm-hmm. Relationships are the essence of us, Carrie. No question. But here's the thing: how do we? deal with those challenging relationships. When we're talking about a relationship where we have differences in values and behaviors and those differences are causing us distress and we want to keep the relationship. Mm -hmm. I love this author, researcher, and speaker, Brene Brown. Oh, yeah. I got to see her speak four years ago here in Boulder. Wow. And she talked about this concept of false dichotomies mm-hmm. and trying not to create false dichotomies. This idea of you're not all for what I'm for and I'm not all for what you're for, mm-hmm. we can't get along. Mm-hmm. And, and there will be times when our values are so different that it's psychologically and physically unhealthy to continue a relationship with someone. But a lot of times, It's about trying to notice what we do share, what values we have in common, what activities we both enjoy. You you find things to talk about Mm -hmm. that you'll find some agreement on, some similarities around. If you are going to try to talk about something that's difficult, try to use I statements. (laughs) Like? Like... You know, I get really anxious and kind of uncomfortable around this topic. Can we talk about, or mm. I would really prefer to talk about, um, you know, it's not that I'm saying avoid difficult topics right. with people, right? but there is this point when you know that this person isn't safe to have that conversation mm-hmm. with. It falls into the category of pick your battles. Right. Yes. Okay. That's 
That is very good. Brene Brown, I love. Uh-huh. I love her. <laughs> yes, I love her because it is so, so very true. Mm-hmm. Now, those are coworkers and family. Now, what about relationships, Carrie, with spouses and partners? The stress of life, the inevitability of all of this togetherness, it takes a toll on relationships at the best of times. How can partners connect in a satisfying way during this time when options are so doggone limited. Yeah, it's like this great opportunity to communicate more and be together more. But we have to be really thoughtful and purposeful about how we spend that time right now to actually connect in these positive ways. So thoughts I've had are like make dinner together and pretend you're at a restaurant. Mm-hmm. And sit across from one another, next to one another, and talk like you would if you were out on a date. Right. If you have young kids at home and it's hard to get a babysitter right now, you know, save up that screen time, put them in front of the TV. Um, <laughs> yeah. I heard a great, going to quote once, TV should be used like a babysitter. That's its actual purpose. <laughs> don't, don't use it for teaching or anything, but babysitting is fine. You Go do something together in the house. Play a board game. Watch a movie. Just talk. Have, you know, have a coffee. Whatever helps you feel calmed Mm -hmm. and connected with one another. And that's that special time for kids, too. You talked Mm -hmm. about carving out that special time Mm -hmm. because kids are like, hey. We mean I can't go down to Rachel's or Bobby's or, you know, Chantel's. Why is this, you know, Javier wants me to come over and spend the night. Why can't I go and do that? If all of this is true, when you start talking about carving out that special time for kids, give some examples of ways we can safely satisfy their needs as it relates to being a child and the restrictions of COVID. Great question. So I... I will speak professionally and personally from this one. I have a nine-year-old daughter and an almost five-year-old son. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and what I can say is that qu- the quality of time versus the quantity of time, it does make a difference. So you don't, I don't think any parent should set out thinking, oh, I have to spend hours <laughs> with them now to entertain them since they're not getting the stimulation in these other ways. Right. Try to at least focus on them for an amount of time that's doable for you, but really focus on what they want to do with you. Mm-hmm. Let them kind of pick the activity in the home that you know that they get to kind of dictate and have some control over because they have no control right now. They just right. everything's changed in their worlds too. Some of the things they can do with friends though are when you know it's decent weather is to get outside and do some outside activities together. Always. That's very good. Yeah. And and great for their health no matter what's going on right. <laughs> with pandemics. Right. But um <laughs> and then like my daughter for instance, she's been doing these Zoom slumber parties and they're not, you know, I don't let her stay up all night on Zoom, but she will get to have an about an hour and a half around bedtime. They all get into their pajamas and then they get to talk and be silly and dance together, you know, from all from their separate rooms. So things like that, again, you know, it's just about thinking, how do I get help my child connect right. 
with other children. Once we talked about the kids and having that special time, letting them select the activity, and then now we've recognized the flip side of this is we like some of what COVID has exposed us to, like working from home, not having to go in, companies saving a lot of money, not having brick and mortar to really have to worry about all of the time. But there's a flip, flip side to that, and that is too much isolation as a result. We still need physical relationships. I think that this new virtual way of connecting is here to stay, and that will be great in some ways. Like being a, a lot of businesses will move to work from home models. Mm-hmm. Uh, telehealth is something great that's come out of this because now people can access medical and mental health care when they're in a rural community or they have some medical issue that they can't get to in-person care as easily. But yeah. We're going to still need those in-person interactions. And um, I think what's going to happen when we can start to safely gather again is that we are going to find a lot of those spaces converted to probably to social kinds of activities. Dr. Landon explains that good relationships with others ultimately start with your relationship with yourself. Without love for yourself, you can't experience relationships with other folks this fully and positively. She says it's also the basis for emotional resilience and health. If you can't spend time with yourself, my mother would always say, who wants to spend time with you? (laughs) Right? We need to put time into loving ourselves through practicing self-talk, positive self-talk, no question, setting boundaries, engaging in self-care. If those are areas you struggle in, here is the deal. Because up next, how some people like Beth, who shared her story earlier, remember? She uses exercise with friends as both a way to focus on herself and a way of connecting meaningfully with friends. You got to get that. Back in a moment. I think the one thing as I've gotten older is realizing the value of some relationships over others. So I think in my younger days, I was one of those people that wanted to try and stay connected to everybody. And then there was a point, especially having children, a full-time job and all of that, where you realize, are you getting out of it the same thing you're putting into it? So making sure that that friendship is a two-way street, right? And there's value in that friendship. I think sometimes, maybe I'm incorrect, but this is just my own little personal <laughs> philosophy is like, I think sometimes as women, we try too hard to keep all these connections and we really need to look at it and say, is this a shared relationship or is it one way? So that's something that I've definitely been doing. And when we talked about the running friends and that connection, that's what I found in a lot of them is it's two way. You know, that makes me think about all the different types of relationships. Some are superficial, others deeper and more meaningful for us. If we are missing close relationships, Carrie, we can be surrounded by people but still feel lonely. What do you say to folks who are looking for that deeper connection? And I've experienced this. Yes, me too, actually. Um, There are all kinds of options right now Mm -hmm. for 
engaging with others, all, although maybe virtually, right. there are still options right now. So find an interest, something that would be interesting to you that you know you can more easily talk to others mm-hmm. a- about that interest. Right. When we think about deeper connection, we think about those people that show up in the world in a similar enough way, that get us, that reflect back to us that we're valuable to them. We talk about all this relationship building and all the things we have to do, both physical and mental. But what about relationships and the health benefits of having bad relationships? Talk about that. A lot of times people do not put, you know, I don't feel good, but it's not because of anything intangible, like a bad relationship. Nobody's hitting me, but maybe they're saying something negative or maybe they're a taker and not a giver in the relationship. Mm -hmm. How do you handle that one? Well, our bodies don't really distinguish between physical threat and emotional threat. Mm. So if something's really emotionally unsafe, uncomfortable in a relationship, our bodies will see that as threat. And our autonomic nervous system responses will act as if we're in a a genuine physical threat, like our lives are at risk in some ways. So we can tend to have all those negative consequences of stress Mm -hmm. if we are in bad relationships. And on the flip side, if we're in good relationships, then we get things like improvement in our immune system functioning. And we, a lot of people have heard recently about neuroplasticity, Mm -hmm. that that concept that the brain changes in positive ways based on certain experiences. And Interacting in positive ways with others is actually one of those activities that improves our brain functioning and helps our brain, um, especially things like gray matter, grow. So, you know, if we're not getting good social interactions, we're going to have really negative stress responses. If we're getting good social interactions, we're going to have a lot of positive physical benefits from that. That is amazing that everything we do shows up in our health. It does. Carrie, can you talk about why our relationships with ourself is so important? I mean, we hear so much about self-care and how does it, you know, make us better and self-care in the realm of what does it look like and why is it so important? It's important for our physical and emotional health. It's its just the starting point. And it's important to have good self-love if you're going to have any positive relationships in your life. So I've mentioned before about being non-judgmental towards others. Right. It's also important to take that approach with yourself. It's really a critical component of self-love. And it's also very hard because we tend to be our own worst critics. So if you're struggling to be kind and loving to yourself, um, I like to do a couple of things. So I'll recommend that you try to imagine that you're talking to a friend who's a trusted, positive friend in your life, and you talk, you talk to yourself as if that friend is talking to you, is mm-hmm. giving you the feedback that you know that they would give you. So showing yourself some love. Exactly. Or you can imagine yourself as a child, Mm. because we tend to be a lot more patient and understanding with children. So imagine yourself back when you were a child and practice giving yourself that understanding, that empathy, that 
non-judgmental loving kindness. Mm-hmm. And then engage as much as you can in self-care okay. activities. And that doesn't always mean bubble baths and massages. Right. And those are great. Right. <laughs> I love them. <laughs> but that means sometimes you say, I'm going to go to bed early tonight. Right. I'm not going to stay up and clean the house up. Right. Or I am going to have that cookie because, mm-hmm. it, you know, I think ba- the balance between it being pleasurable and right. the caloric intake is fine. Right. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah. That's right. <laughs> and um, and I also I love uh, what we call loving kindness meditations. Mm. Kristen Neff is a psychologist who does a lot of work on self compassion, and I I love her website. She does a lot of guided meditations around cultivating self compassion. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's a lot out there on loving-kindness meditations one can just look up online. But if you want a, a source that's tried and true, Kristen Neff's website's great for that. Mm-hmm. Here is one thing that I really found that is important to me when you start talking about self-care. So there used to be a time self-care to me was, I'm going shopping, I'm going to spend a lot of money. Oh, do we have that money? I don't know if we have that money. That's really not self-care if you're going to worry about what you've bought And then I said, no, 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 it's not buying something. It's going to the gym. It's making sure you get that workout. It's going for a walk. It is getting a massage or not getting a massage. Is that the better definition of self-care? I think that's a great definition of self-care. There are times when I'd love to just sit down and binge watch Netflix shows. Yep. (laughs) I know that I will feel so much better if I go to bed earlier, for instance, or I have that conversation with my husband and we talk about those logistical things we needed to talk about. Mm -hmm. So self-care is checking in with yourself and saying, what do I need to do that's going to help me feel better in the long run. Mm -hmm. And taking care of yourself. That Mm -hmm. makes a difference. You think about me, you, so many other people. We're married. We have partners. So what do you tell folks who are trying to date, and women especially, when they're trying to date while remaining safe from COVID at the same time? Mm -hmm. How do you get past that hurdle? I say, don't give up. It's doable. There's still ways to meet people virtually. But when there's nice days outside, do something safe outside with that person. Right that you're meeting clearly in a safe safe space not just for covid right but for your physical health and other, and physical safety in other ways as well so to sum up dr landon's top 5 takeaways for stronger relationships they are this when you're struggling emotionally reach out reach out to friends don't isolate yourself or withdraw that's one number 2 reassess relationships that well They weren't working then. They're not working now. If it's not working for you, reassess it. Letting go of relationships does not make you a failure. Number three, for relationships that are challenging, that you can't let go of, try to find common ground. Accept that you don't have to agree on everything and set boundaries when possible. And four, self-care. So very important. It's important for coping with stress and anxiety, even if it means just treating yourself to a store-bought coffee every so often. And five, carve out time to connect with your partner. So thank you so much for joining us. To follow up on today's episode, you can check out our show notes at uchealth.org forward slash every. That's E-V-R-E. And to find out more about today's expert, 
you can visit uchealth.org. Dr. Carrie Landon, she was wonderful. So thank you for joining us. Thank you, Carrie, for joining us. Please do not forget to subscribe and also rate us and review our podcasts on Apple, Spotify, Google, and iHeartRadio. To find out more about our subject today, you can visit us at uchealth.org forward slash every. E-V-R-E, remember, every. Every is produced by UC Health.